Welcome to the CROCcast, Peace Studies Conversations convened by the Croc Institute for International Peace Studies at the University of Notre Dame. In today's episode, we will be talking about the fifth comprehensive report on the implementation status of Colombia's final peace agreement, recently released by the Croc Institute's Peace Accords Matrix Barometer Initiative Team. The Barometer team monitors real-time implementation of the 2016 Colombian Peace Agreement. My name is Gerard Martin and I'm the Kroc Institute's Peace Accords Matrix representative in Colombia. I'm joined today by Josefina Echavarria Alvarez, the director of the Peace Accords Matrix at the Kroc Institutes. Hello, Josefina. Hello, Gerard. It is so great to be with all of you here today and speak about the fifth report. Thank you, Josefina. We're also joined by Danielle Cano in Swasti, the strategic relationships leader for the Barometer Initiative in Colombia. Hello, Danny. Hey, Gerard, how are you? Thank you for this invitation and welcome to all the people who listen to this podcast. Thanks, Danielle. We're also joined by Patrick McQuestion, Research Associate with the Peace Accords Matrix. Hello, Patrick. Hello, Gerard and team, and greetings to everybody listening. And finally, we're joined by Brenda Forero, the Reports Editor for the Barometer Initiative in Colombia. Hello, Brenda. Hello, Gerard. Hello, everyone. I'm so happy to be here sharing with you our fifth report. So we have just released our fifth report on the status of the peace accord implementation in Colombia during the 2020 year, last year. Brenda, can you talk about how the Barometer team in Colombia gathers information to track implementation of the peace accord? Yes, of course. Well, the Barometer Initiative has a Colombia-based team of researchers, which are experts in topics and cross-current approaches of the Colombian peace agreement. This is a team specialized in gathering, analyzing, and communicating information on the status of the implementation. They monitor, track, and analyze events or facts about the commitments within the text of the agreement. And also, they follow up contextual information related to the accord's content. The team gathers information and monitors implementation in coordination with the parties to the agreement, implementing agencies, civil society leaders and organizations, social leaders in rural territories, representatives of the international community and academics, among others. The team also follows a wide universe of published sources, such as institutional web pages, reports, declarations, events, interviews. And they organize all of this information and report it to the Kroc Institute team. Thank you, Brenda. Josefina, according to the fifth report, how is implementation of the peace accord progressing? Gerard, well, despite ongoing challenges of different types, we're very happy to see that implementation continued progressing in the year 2020. There are especially two important factors that make us very optimistic about what happened last year. On the one hand, the institutional ownership of the peace agreement commitments. We can see that especially in the ways in which many different mayors and governors in Colombia included many of the commitments for the implementation of the peace agreement in their development plans. 
This is important as we embark in the year 2021, 22, and 23 to make sure that we are supporting those plans and that we have enough resources to make them a reality. A second factor that was also very important in the implementation in 2020 was the ability that citizens all throughout the country have had to really gain ownership and increase their sense of belonging to the peace agreement and, the, and its implementation. We were also very happy to see how we are seeing a movement, if you want, a decentralization to in the various entities, implementation entities that were charged with decisions and policies during the year 2020. Specifically, we're talking about a series of judicial decisions that really contributed to peace agreement implementation progress during 2020. And what we also see since the beginning of the year 2020 are two significant challenges and many times problems to be overcome when we are interested in strengthening the implementation of the final accord in Colombia. The first one has been the ongoing COVID-19. This pandemic, this global pandemic, we've never seen something like that, even remotely similar around the world in this magnitude. We see a lot of concerns because of health itself, so the direct consequences of this disease. On the other hand, we also have numerous restrictions in terms of mobility and also political participation that have been the result of the measures that have been taken to outweigh the COVID-19 pandemic. A second factor that also has had been a main concern for all of us who follow peacebuilding developments in the country has been the insecurity that we have experienced and also witnessed in Colombia in order to also expand even more on the implementation progress and the difficulties we faced during 2020, I would like to give the word to Daniel Cano to expand precisely on these insights. Yeah, sure, Josefina. One of the main messages that we have in this report, which is also a good news, is that despite the ongoing challenges, mainly related to the COVID pandemic and also some situations of violence that occur, in different regions of Colombia, the implementation of the peace agreement continued to progress and is now entering in its fifth year, which is an important landmark in terms of implementation. And this is a good news. There is an, an important message related to this one, and is that we have seen during the monitoring process that the main points of the agreement that progress in this period were Point one, which is related to rural reform, and point two, which is related to the um, substitution of illicit crops and the drug traffic issue. And this is very important because, as you uh, know, these two points of the agreements are the most complex in terms of time and resources. And seeing this implementation progress is a very positive situation we, that we identify in the report. On the other hand, we continue to see for the third consecutive year significant delays in the implementation of point two, 
which has to do with political participation and also with legislative commitments that need to be implemented in order to progress with the implementation. So this is important message that we want to send and there is the necessity of focusing in these two aspects in order to resolve these delays. There is another important factor that we need to take in consideration is that three aspects affect the rhythm of implementation. And these three aspects are the technical planning procedures required in order to implement complex processes of the peace agreement, like the implementation of the territorial development plans, for example. And these processes are not necessarily reflected in the um, quantitative implementation. On the other hand, the sequencing of the peace agreement is also providing us a framework for the implementation. And we need to consider that not all the different indicators and commitments need to be implemented at the same time and during the same period of time. So we need to take in consideration that there are different periods until at least 15 years. And finally, that there has been actual delays on the implementation that are related to different indicators that hasn't been achieved in previous years. That's something that we take into consideration in order to understand the actual rhythm of the implementation. Thank you very much, Josefina and Danielle, for those precise and detailed explanations about how the peace accord implementation has been progressed over the last year. And let me now turn to Patrick McQuestion. Uh, Patrick, please talk to us about how you and the others on the Barometer team gather the qualitative and quantitative information needed to produce these findings about implementation. Yeah, sure. Well, as Brenda mentioned, we have a team of researchers in Colombia as well as in the United States at, at the Kroc Institute. Our team in Colombia reports qualitative information, interviews, institutional reports, press releases, and subsequently also tag that information with the specific stipulations in the agreement. You can imagine six points simultaneously doing that as well as our transversal approaches. We gather a lot of information and we have to sort of condense that and analyze that. The researchers in Colombia also report contextual information related to the Accords content. So for example, with the recent protests that we've seen in Colombia, our specialist reports on some of the events that take place but also in the context or in the framework of point two of the accord, which is focused on political participation. So there are some opportunities to explore current events through the frame or lens of the peace agreement. Researchers then, after we gather all that information, track and code the stipulations and aggregate them into sub-themes, pillars, and eventually we reach the point level where we start to measure implementation of points specifically. And then we engage in a correspondence process where we um, have discussions with our researchers to code and to essentially give a score to, to some of these individual stipulations. We do this on a monthly basis, and this gives us sort of quantitative outputs as well as inputs for further monitoring going forward. It's an intensive interpretive exercise. We interpret the text of the accord and try to measure the spirit of the accord in certain events and evidence. We see that you know, some stipulations have reached reasonable levels of implementation, while others are clearly lagging. One example are the legislative reforms that the Accord called for at the very beginning. We also see other parts of the Accord 
such as security guarantees and, and sort of the security sector stipulations that require sort of sensitive information processing. So we have, you know, challenges in, in trying to find evidence for some of the content of the accord. But then we also have, as Danielle was saying, sort of this time aspect that we're trying to capture. So we'll have in the accord, certain stipulations call for sort of transformations that might take longer to achieve. That's great, Patrick. Thank you for those methodological observations. Uh, just to expand a little bit further on how context affects your work, what was different about the process of tracking implementation during 2020, uh, given the challenges of the uh, pandemic? And how did the Kroc Institute adapt its methodology, as the one you just outlined, to this context, to this challenge? As Josefina mentioned, we haven't really seen anything like this from the perspective of an accord being implemented, a global pandemic. That's notable for our experiences. But, you know, internally, working remotely has been a challenge for everybody, not just our team, but also those responsible for implementing the accord, like the government. Different agencies in the government had to also adjust their strategies to the reality of the situation. So nowadays we do a lot more Zoom meetings and video conferences than we did before. So that's definitely changed sort of the dynamic that we have when it comes to gathering information. But we've also maintained permanent sort of contact with our sources, with government officials, with NGO leaders, as well as press representatives and media landscape. And these actors we've seen are extremely busy trying to, to maintain the rhythm of their day-to-day work. Some of us are also not able to travel as much as we we want to, and those within Colombia are facing travel restrictions all the time. So this sort of inhibits triangulation and verification of certain events. Nonetheless, you know, tracking implementation and and looking at sort of the numbers, we've collected actually 50% more interviews during this past year in 2020 than the year 2019. And we've actually maintained the same amount of reports on institutional reports as well as press releases. So we're performing relatively well under the conditions. And then in in quantitative terms, we haven't detected yet a real effect in the rate of implementation that we can attribute directly to COVID. There are a lot of other factors, as Josefina was saying, that really might have an effect. Thank you so much, Patrick. That was very helpful. Let me get back to Danielle. Danielle, How does the monitoring work impact public policy about the implementation process? So public policy in Colombia, how does the monitoring, how is your work picked up by all those involved with implementation? Yes, Gerard, thank you. I would like to mention four main aspects that I think are very relevant to understand how our reports and the information produced by the initiative has um, an important role in the development of different public policies. So the first aspect is that we have a permanent dialogue with implementation agencies, not just at the national level, but also at the territorial level, in order to identify the progresses that they are making, but also what are the challenges that they are facing. And we do this through one of our new tools that are the bi-monthly briefs. There are very short documents, more technically oriented, to provide this information to these agencies so they can have permanent follow-up of the progress of their work. And this is helping us 
to have a real impact in the different programs that they are implementing. And we have seen this, for example, in decisions that they make in terms of increasing different categories or indicators or how they are, for example, reaching more resources to increase their budgets according to some of the suggestions that we make. We have seen this mainly in the case of the transversal approaches that also has an echo in the international community and resources has been reoriented according to the priorities that we highlight in some of our special reports. A second aspect is that we follow up also the implementation framework plan, which is the tool that the government and the FARC political party use or agree to follow up the implementation. And by monitoring the progress of the different indicators in this implementation framework plan, we have managed to also identify what are the short-term measures that they need to take in order to address those indicators that are delayed or behind schedule, and also how they could address those things that are focused on the medium and long-term commitments so they can start building their foundations to reach those commitments. A third aspect is that recently we have been assisting the actual government in order to identify within our database, which I consider is the most comprehensive database about the implementation of the peace agreement. We have already more than 20,000 events of implementation. And this information has been very useful in order to identify what are the things that need to be prioritized in order to make this process sustainable. It may become an estate policy that lasts for the next 15 years. Finally, and something that I consider very important is that we managed to generate very comprehensive paces for dialogue and trust building with civil society at the territorial level, where we bring together not just civil society, but also the private sector implementation agencies, the local governments to discuss about the challenges of the implementation at this more local level in order to identify how the process is progressing and how could be improved from the more local perspective. Thank you, Daniel. That's very helpful. Let me turn again to Brenda. Brenda, so Danielle mentioned advances, challenges, setbacks, and opportunities that you monitor and that are in the fifth report. So can you identify for us or mention the two or three areas where you have seen most important advances during 2020? Sure, I'll give you a general answer. However, the report explains in detail the advances reported at each point of the agreement and of the cross-cutting approaches. And I can tell you that four years after the signing of the agreement, the data shows that implementation status saw the following changes. Uninitiated provisions were reduced from 24% to 19%. Provisions in the minimum phase remain at 35% while those in the intermediate phase increased from 16% to 18%. Full provisions moved from 26% to 28%. Point one and point five of the agreement saw the highest percentage of provisions was implementation began during this period, while point four completed the most provisions. Now I'll emphasize in each of these points. 
The most significant progress related to point one was the reduction of stipulations that have not been initiated, which went from 27% in 2019 to 18% in 2020, as well as the corresponding increase in minimum level stipulations from 59% in 2019 to 64% in 2020. One explanation for the high percentage, 64% of 0.1 stipulations at the minimum level of implementation is that since 2019, this point's implementation has focused on institutional planning efforts and technical design of strategies and roadmaps to execute the plan actions. In fact, one of the advances in minimum level stipulations corresponds to the approval and technical completion of three national sectoral plans of the comprehensive rural reform. The implementation of point five maintained a steady piece of progress from December 2019 to November 2020, as stipulations that had not been initiated decreased from 29% in 2019 to 20% 20 in 2020. One area of progress observed during this period of analysis was the delivery, for example, of the remains of 83 forced displacement victims by the unit for the search for persons deemed as missing. Another advance was that the National Center for Historical Memory launched its data portal with georeferenced information of, on the paramilitary situation in Colombia. Additionally, the Truth Coexistence and Recurrence Commission consolidated its mission information system, while the Investigation and Prosecution Unit of the Special Jurisdiction for Peace consolidated a system for risk monitoring and prevention of human rights violations in Colombia. And also, the Human Rights and Peace Commission became operational, among other actions specified in this report. And finally, Progress was recorded in the implementation of point four in completed stipulations, which increased from 8% in 2019 to 70% as of November 2020. This progress was a product of the Ministry of Justice and Law and of the Office of the General Authority promoting spaces for dialogue regional organizations in order to make progress in building consensus around a policy to combat drugs. Another contributing factor to the progress made during this period was the signing of eight comprehensive community plans for substitution of crops and alternative development, and the publication of the National Survey of Psychoactive Substances Use. Wow, that is great, Brenda. It's good to hear you know, that the barometer permits to monitor these kind of advances with so much detail and precision. And for our listeners, at the end of the podcast today, we provide you with the links to the report and where you can find all these stats and the graphs, etc., in all detail and will help you to complete your information. Let me turn back to Daniel then, because he also mentioned that there are not only advances and opportunities, we will speak about those later, but also challenges and setbacks. Danielle, can you mention some of those the most important challenges or setbacks during implementation in 2020? Yes, Gerard. One of the things that we identify as an important challenge is that least progress or the few progress in terms of normative and legislative implementation of the peace agreement, which is critical to improve implementation. Big parts or big components of the peace agreement 
requires the approval of norms and laws which are responsibility of the Congress and not just from the executive power. So it requires a political will within different political parties in Colombia to approve these laws that are going to be able to these components of the agreement to progress. And I'm referring, for example, to issues like providing a legislative framework for coca producers, the territorial level, so they have the opportunity to go through the substitution program and not to be judged by producing coca. So this will solve very complex territorial conflicts that we are seeing. And other aspects has to do with reducing the gap in the implementation of the transversal approaches. This gap has maintained since the beginning of the implementation. There has been efforts in terms of reducing not initiated commitments of these approaches, but completed commitments that are required to address, for example, inequalities that affects ethnic communities or women organizations are one of the priorities. We need to go from the paper, from the plan, to actual transformational processes at the territorial level. Another important uh, challenge has to do with the technical and financial capabilities of local governments in order to implement the different initiatives of the peace agreement that they include within the local development plans. And this is very important because we are talking about very small municipalities that they normally lack this type of capabilities. So they're going to have difficulties in order to elaborate programs that reach the resources that they need to complete these goals that they pose in these development plans. And finally, one of the things that we already mentioned within this conversation is the issue of security. The peace agreement offers different mechanisms, several mechanisms in order to improve security conditions at the territorial level. And the integral implementation of these mechanisms is required to reduce the risk that ethnic communities are facing in several territories like Bajo Cauca, Catatumbo, in the Cauca region, mainly due to the presence of illegal armed groups that are affecting these communities. So improving the integral implementation of the security mechanisms will help this uh, situation. Thank you, Daniel, for that overview of many challenges that the implementation still faces, uh, some more long-term, some maybe possible to attack also on the shorter term. And I wanted to ask Brenda again, if she can then provide some examples from the report about places where you see opportunities, where the fifth report identifies opportunities for stronger implementation. Yes, I could give you examples of opportunities for stronger implementation that would have an impact in the territories most affected by the conflict and in ethnic communities and women. For example, the report highlights the strengthening of prior consultation and special consultation mechanisms in order to build public policies derived from the implementation. Noted opportunities include warranting the implementation and budget for the comprehensive program of warranties for female leaders and human rights defenders, also prioritizing implementation of development programs with a territorial focus initiatives and comprehensive community plans for substitution of groups and alternative development referred to as rural women and gender in 170 municipalities. 
And last but not least, the effective execution of the environmental and municipal development plans that include a clear connection to the accord's objectives and as well as the allocation of necessary resources provide a valuable opportunity to accelerate the pace of implementation with a territorial approach. Thank you so much, Brenda. And just to round out our conversation today, I would like to ask Josefina more in general terms based on report five, where is more work needed to make successful implementation happen? So one of the things that we can do during the year 2021 is to really concentrate our efforts in fulfilling the framework plan for implementation indicators that are lagging behind, as well as bringing to fruition and completing in a timely manner all those indicators of the framework plan that have as target date 2021. So if we're able to accomplish that, we will definitely be advancing very well for not only the short term, but also for the midterm and the long term goals. Another important, of course, challenge that we all have throughout the world is how are we going to mitigate the effects of the COVID-19 pandemic, especially in rural areas and especially uh, taking care of the communities and the populations that we know that have been especially vulnerable to the COVID-19 pandemic. So we see in the implementation commitment already an excellent opportunity to put into action those plans that have not been realized so far to also target and also seek to overcome much more historically deep crisis in the country. So we see an opportunity in the tackling of the pandemic COVID-19 to also foster strengthen implementation. And finally, as you know that in our fifth report this year, we have an excellent innovation and is that we realize that the moment that some of the norms, the laws, the decrees, the resolutions that were to be carried out or were to be realized through a fast track procedure did not take place a couple of years ago, we have an excellent agenda of norms, legal decisions, judicial decisions, that are not only to be initiated by the executive branch of power, but also by the legislative branch of power. So with this agenda, we can also way move forward in the year 2021, if we are able to make those decisions that can bring us closer to a full implementation of the Colombian Final Peace Accord. Thank you so much, Josefina. Thank you so much, Brenda, Patrick and Danielle and the Barometer and Croc team in general for this uh, very instructive conversation about your fifth comprehensive report on the implementation status of Colombia's final peace accord. You have been listening to the Croccast, conversations on peace studies convened by the Croc Institute for International Peace Studies at the University of Notre Dame, part of the Keough School of Global Affairs. You can find all episodes of the Crockcast on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, 
and online at croc.nd.edu slash podcast. You can also rate and review our podcast, which will help more people find our show. Thank you for that. For more updates and stories from the Croc Institute, please follow us online on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And for more information on the Peace Accords Matrix and the Barometer Initiative, please visit peaceaccords.nd.edu. Thanks for listening.